0: And happy Valentine's weekend to all of you. I hope that you've had a wonderful week. And there's lots to celebrate, amen? Amen. Well, as Pastor Nick mentioned earlier, um, we're happy to have the young children in the sanctuary. But I do advise you today, if they are able to join Bria downstairs with the rest of the kids, then that would probably be a great idea for them. Well, my message today is on a topic that you don't normally hear preached about in church. You're probably wondering what it is, right? Probably wondering what it is. Oh, did I come on the right day or did I come on the wrong day, right? Well, it's a topic that I feel that is important. And even though it may not necessarily be a popular topic for us to talk about, it's one that the Bible has a lot to say about. And it's one that is important for us to understand. And so today, today we're going to be talking on the topic of sex. Yes. Yes, we are. On the topic of sex. Now, before you tune me out and leave or turn me off there on on your TVs, I want to preface this message by saying, I understand that for a lot of you, you probably feel that this is something that, you know, you don't need to hear about, there's nothing that you need to learn, and, you know, most of you have probably been married longer than I've been alive, right? So, what can I teach you? Well... It's a good thing it's not from experience. It's about from the word of God, right? And so I believe that there's always something for us to learn. And so, you know, there are times where we need to have these hard and uncomfortable conversations. And I truly believe that if you're able to look past the topic itself, that we can allow the Holy Spirit to speak to us and to teach us something new. Amen? Amen. So one of the reasons that I wanted and I felt strongly and I felt the Holy Spirit leading me to speak on this topic was because growing up, I was always told, you know, you shouldn't have sex before marriage, you shouldn't do this, you shouldn't do that, and, and that is correct. However, nobody ever really took the time to tell me why. You know what I mean? I mean, there's the obvious reasons, right? You know, sexually transmitted diseases, getting pregnant, you know, all of those kind of things. But aside from that, nobody ever told me, you know, if there was anything more to why I shouldn't have sex outside of marriage. And so I believe that it's important for us to talk about these things. So today I want to talk to you about three things God wants us to know about sex. And if you have your Bibles, would you turn to Matthew chapter 19, and we're going to start at verse 4, and we're just going to read verses 4 to 6, if you are able to, would you please stand as we read God's word. Matthew chapter 19, starting from verse 4. It says, haven't you read the scriptures, Jesus replied? They record that from the beginning, God made them male and female. And he said, this explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife. And the two are united into one. Since they are no longer two, but one, let no one split them apart what God has joined. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for this day and for this time. And, Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit would come and would speak. I pray that, Father, you would help us to be open-minded to receive your word, that your Holy Spirit would come and give us fresh revelation, knowledge, and wisdom, and understanding. And, Lord, we know that this is a topic that you have a lot to say about. And so we just pray that you would minister to us and that you would help us, Lord, to learn from you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Feel free to be seated. When we talk about the topic of sex, it often comes across as a very taboo topic, right? A topic that you kind of feel bad to even say. But think about that. Why is that? Why do we feel bad to talk about it in church when the world is talking about it everywhere we look? Right In movies, in television, in songs, on billboards and commercials, it's insinuated. And, and the world has so much to say about it, but yet we feel it's a taboo topic and it's something that we shouldn't talk about and we feel bad to talk about. You know, we try to avoid saying the word or, or we think that it's a bad thing, but the truth is that God created sex and it isn't a bad thing. God created sex and it is not a bad thing. In the beginning when God created Adam and Eve, he created them and he established them and he established the union of marriage by giving Eve over to Adam to be his wife. God gave them instructions and he said, go and be fruitful and multiply. And in fact, if you read the scriptures, that is the first command that God gives. It's not to take care of the land. It's not to do this. But he tells them, go be fruitful and multiply. Because this is important. Get to know each other. Unite together. Be united as husband and wife. God created this union between man and wife, between husband and wife, and He created it to be a good thing. You see, God's purpose in creating sex was for the enjoyment between a husband and a wife. Did, did you hear me? God created marriage to be within the He created sex to be within the confines of marriage, between a husband. And a wife. But you know what is so unfortunate in this day and age? Is that the devil comes and he takes everything that God has created to be good, that God has created from the beginning and said was good, and he comes and he corrupts it, and he perverts it, and he makes it into something that God never intended it to be. And so when we don't talk about topics and especially something like this that God has created to be good, then we allow the world to define what that really means. And the world is not able to define something that God created because God is the only one who is able to do that. God created this to be between husband and wife. That's why so many people are so blinded by the truth. They're so blinded by what is right and what is wrong. They they don't see the value in marriage. They don't see the value in in waiting. They don't see the value that that this comes, that the Bible talks about. And I want to make something really clear today, okay? I want to make you understand that there is no judgment here, okay? There is absolutely no judgment. And so by me talking about this, I want you to understand that there is no guilt, there is no shame for things that you may have done, for things that you're involved in or have been involved in, because we're going to deal with those things today. But there is no guilt or shame here. And when I talk to you, I talk to you because I understand that someone needs to have that conversation with you. And as one of your spiritual leaders, it is my responsibility to do that. And so I want you to receive this message with love. Whether you want to receive it from Pastor Lisa or someone that you look upon as your daughter or your sister or your friend, just receive it and receive it with love. The the devil comes and he takes everything that God has created to be good and he perverts it and he corrupts it and he makes it what it should not be. And I understand for some of you that unfortunately you were probably exposed to things that you didn't need to be exposed to at a young age. I understand that your mind from a young age saw things or heard things or were involved in things that you, you probably shouldn't have been because of somebody else's fault or, or by accident or, or whatever it was. But I want you to also understand that there is healing in the name of Jesus, that God comes and he brings us healing. And I'm sorry if, if you were exposed to something that you shouldn't have been involved in or exposed to, because God never intended for that to happen. But we can pray and ask him to release us from that pain, to release us from that hurt, to release us from all of that and make us new. Because when we are in Christ, the Bible says that we are a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. And so be aware of that. Think about the symbolism of fire. I heard a preacher talk about this. The the symbolism of fire is often used to represent passion and intensity, right? We talk about, oh, we feel sparks flying between each other. Or we need to ignite the passion or, you know, rekindle the flame. The, The imagery and the idea of fire is often used to represent that passion and that desire that comes in love and can come in sex as well. Now, fire in and of itself is a good thing, right? We use it to heat our homes, especially on a night like last night. We, we use it to cook our food. We use it to, um, for light. We use it in many different ways. And so it's a, a good thing, right? But when it's used in the right way, but you see, when fire is not contained, it can run wild and it can burn everything around it and ruin everything that it didn't intend to ruin. So the problem is when it is not contained, then it does not serve its purpose, but it ruins everything in its path. For example, Pastor Nick, if I said that I was going to build a fire right here, would, would you be okay with that? Possibly not, right? Right? Building a fire, you know, inside the church would not necessarily be a good idea. But building a fire outside in a fire pit or or something that was designed for a fire to be built would be okay. Okay right? But, but when you build it in a place where there is no confinement, no container, nothing to contain it, then it runs wild, it spreads to places it shouldn't spread to, it burns things it shouldn't burn, and it destroys whatever it's in its path. You see, much like sex, God created sex to be in the container and confined to the union of marriage, And when we take it outside of what it was meant to be in, we allow it to run wild and to ruin areas in our life and to affect every single area within us. Is what I'm saying making sense? God created it to be within the confines of marriage. It's when it's contained, it is good, but when we allow it to run wild and be outside of that, then it burns everything in its path and it destroys everything. I love candles. Do, do any of you love candles? Yeah, my, my husband thinks I'm crazy because I have candles all over the place, right? And so, you know, I'm always, you know, burning candles when I'm home, just having, you know, one in the kitchen or, or whatever, or when I'm cooking. And, um, Recently, I had uh, someone give me a set of these uh, flameless candles, you know, the the ones that are battery-operated, so you can just kind of keep them on. Some of them are on timers and whatnot. Now, they look like real candles, right? Do any of you know what I'm talking about? You probably have them, right? A lot of them look like real candles, and so it's sometimes hard to tell, and so I have two candles with me. Hold on. So I have... These two candles with me, right? Which one is the real one and which one is the fake one? Which one do you think is real? Do you think this one's real? Think this one? Okay, put your hands up if you think this one's real. Okay, put your hands up if you think this one's real. Okay, put your hands up if you have no clue because you've never seen these before. (laughs) All right, so the, the real one is this one And the flameless one is this one. The battery-operated one is this one. But it's hard to tell, right? It's sometimes not easy to be able to tell and to recognize which one is real and which one is fake because they look so similar and they look so much alike. This week I heard a preacher talk about the word infatuation. You've heard the word infatuation before? And it's interesting. In Latin... The word infatuation is literally translated as false fire. False fire. A fire that looks real, but is fake. A fire that intimidates and and tries to make it look like it's a real thing, but yet it's a fake fire. That's what happens when we talk about sex and relationships in the world is there's so much going on that tries to look like the real thing, but it's not. Because it's not the way that God created it to be. It's not the way that God intended it to be. And some of the relationships that you're in are just infatuations. Some of the things that you're doing is just because of infatuation. It's a false fire because it's not what God intended it to be. To believe in something fake is not the real thing. It's not what God wants, and you're not experiencing the fullness and the greatness that God has for you. In 1 Corinthians chapter 18, sorry, chapter 6, verse 18, it tells us to flee from sexual immorality. You know, this is the only scripture in the Bible that I can recall, unless you can show me otherwise, that it actually tells us to flee, to run away from this sin. Don't just not do it, but run away from it. Don't even give it a chance. Run away. Don't even give it the time of day. Flee from sexual immorality. All other sins a man commits are outside his body. But he who sins sexually sins against his own body. You see, the Bible clearly condemns sexual sins. That is any sort of sexual activity that is outside the confines of marriage. It is considered immoral. That's why the Bible warns us to practice self-control, to have self-control. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 9 to 11, it says, Don't you realize that those who do wrong will not inherit the kingdom of God? Don't fool yourselves. Those who indulge in sexual sins or who worship idols or who commit adultery or male prostitutes or practice homosexuality or are thieves or greedy people or drunkards or are abusive or cheat people, none of these will inherit the kingdom of God. So when you continue doing the things that God says are wrong, that means that you're continuously living in sin, you're continuously living against God's word, and you're not obeying him. But here's the good news. Verse 11 tells us, some of you were once like that. But you were cleansed. You were made holy. You were made right with God by calling on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ by the spirit of our God. You see, even though God condemns it and he says it's wrong, he says there's still hope. There is forgiveness. Some of you have experienced that life and you've lived that life and you know, but there's forgiveness in God. Some of you who are in that life right now that nobody knows about, that nobody knows what you're doing behind closed doors, but know that there is spiritual freedom that there is a freedom in Jesus' name, that he is able to make you whole. He is able to make you clean. He is able to forgive you. He is able to transform you. He is able to help you be released from those things. There is hope in him. Thank God for his grace and his mercy and his love. Some of the things that we can do to ensure that we are living in a way that is pleasing to God is to practice total abstinence from all forms of sexual activity before marriage. To to practice total abstinence from any form of of sexual activity. In the Bible, in Song of Songs chapter 8 verse 4, it says, do not awaken love until the time is right. Do not awaken love Before the time is right. That means don't even start doing something to wake it up. That means don't even indulge in any sort of pleasure that may lead to something that you're not ready for. Do not awaken love until the time is right. Choose, make a decision that you are going to wait till marriage and if you don't get married that you're going to wait because that's what God your God wants you to stay pure. And I want you to understand that this is not a message that's just for teenagers or young adults. This is a message for all of us, for adults, older adults, everyone. Because this is something that affects everyone. And so for you maybe you think, "Oh no, I'm, you know, this is for young people." No, it's not. This is for everyone. Practice total abstinence. If you're not married, choose not to live together until you are married. If you're not intending to get married, then don't plan to live together at all. Stay separate. Make that decision. Another thing that we need to be aware of is don't flirt with sexual temptation. Don't flirt with it. You know, so many people are okay flirting with sin. They're okay, you know, let, you know I'm not going to do anything, right? But it's okay. Like, you know, that's my boyfriend, that's my girlfriend, or I like him, or I like her. And it's okay to, you know, flirt with that idea. You know, these things may sound simple and easy to do, and you probably tell yourself, well, we're not going to do anything, Right? I'm just hanging out at his house, or she's just hanging out at my house, or you know, time's getting late, or we're just by ourselves in the room. Don't even flirt with the idea. Because let me tell you that when we don't make up our minds and put boundaries and decide to stay away, then it gets very easy for one thing to lead to another, to another, and then to another. And in the moment, When in the heat of the moment, you're not thinking clearly, and then you end up doing something that you later regret. Choose to make those boundaries clear from the beginning. And guess what? If they're not okay with it, there's the door. (laughs) If you're not okay with it, if they're not okay with it, then you should not be okay with the fact that they're not okay with it. Don't compromise what you believe. Wait and find someone who is okay with that. Because that is the person that God has for you. And maybe that means that you need to stop hanging out in certain places that allow that temptation to come. Maybe that means you have to have certain boundaries or or times that you need to to be home by or or leave by or, or hang out with other people who are present and not be by yourselves. Whatever those things are that you need to do, then do it. I want to tell you something, and I'm not proud of this because I never used to like it, okay? But until, so I lived at home until I got married, okay? And, and um, you know, that was just in my culture and what we did. We stay at home until we get married. But even when I was dating, okay, and I didn't get married until I was, you know, 32. So even when I was dating and living at home, I had to be home by a certain time, and yeah, and, and I'm not saying this to tell you that you need to do it, because I hated it, right, I, you know, there were times where I was just like so angry, and I have to be home by this time, you know, all my friends get to stay out, they, and I'm 32 here, right, and, and I had to be home by, you want to know what time I had to be home by? No, 10, come on, <laughs> 10, 11 o'clock. 11 o'clock. And I know that's embarrassing, right? Because, you know, you're hanging out with your friends and then you look at, and I was always like, okay, okay, guys, we got we to gotta get going, right? Because I got to go soon. But I look back on that, and even though I didn't like the fact that I had to be home by 11 o'clock, I understand why that rule was in place. And I think in the society that we live in, and again, I'm not a parent, I'm not telling you how to parent, but I'm telling you that I think that sometimes we're a little too loose and lax with our boundaries and our standards. And we need to put in place some things because young people, teenagers, are not thinking about those things. And as parents or guardians, those are things that you need to help establish so that that helps them to know that they need to be home by a certain time, or that staying out all night is not acceptable, or that that's not acceptable for you to be alone at somebody else's house when nobody's around. There are certain things that we can do to help the situation. And again, I'm not telling you what to do because I hated it, but I understand why, and I'm thankful that that was done. And now I, I wish I'm home by 11 o'clock. <laughs> now I wish that I'm in bed by 10, you know? But, but it, it's something that we need to be aware of. Don't flirt with sexual temptation. Set those boundaries, make them clear, and make sure that those are known up front. And you know, when you're, when you're dating someone, young people, I'm going to give you some advice here. One of the very first things that I talk to my husband about or, you know, anyone that you're dating is you let them know right up front what you stand for, what you believe, what your boundaries are, and don't waste your time. You know, sometimes we're so afraid to say these kind of things or, or we just kind of let it, you know, it'll come up in conversation. No, say it up front. If they're not okay with it, don't waste your time, right? Make it clear, make it known so that they know what you're all about. Don't pretend to be someone you're not. Make it clear. Another thing that we should do is ask the Lord, to help us overcome sexual temptations and sins. You see, God understands that we're human. And in our carnal nature, in our fleshly nature, it is sinful. And there's sometimes where we desire to do things that we know are wrong. We desire things to give in to that temptation. And he understands that. But that's why we need to ask him to help us. Help us to overcome these temptations, these sexual sins. We know that when we live in accordance to God's word, that we are obeying him, that we are walking in obedience. And when we are not, then we are disobeying God's command. People often seem to think that the act of of sex is only about the the physical pleasure. And that is a part of it, the physical um, uh, pleasure. But there's also a really big responsibility that not too many people think of. You see, when you engage in that activity, there's a chance, there's a high chance, that it can produce life, that you can produce a child, and it's important to be ready for that, and if you're not ready for that, then you shouldn't be engaging in it, because too many, (coughs) excuse me. Too many people are walking around and thinking it's only about the the physical pleasure. It's only about the carnal nature. It's only about, um, you know, feeling good in the moment. But there is a lot of responsibility that comes with that. That's why God puts it within the confines of marriage. That's why he puts it within the confines of marriage. That it's to be pleasurable, but it's also to be something that we take seriously and that we're responsible in practicing. You see, I believe that if we can understand and and be responsible about this by asking the Lord to help us to overcome these things, by asking the Lord to help remove these temptations or help us to overcome them so that we do not go in, then there would be a lot less risk. There would be a lot less sexual transmitted disease. There would be a lot less unwanted pregnancies or abortions in our world. There would be a lot less unplanned pregnancies. There would be a lot less of these things if we were responsible in what we did. But I want you to understand, again, there's no judgment. We can't change what has happened. We can't change what has transpired in your life and mistakes that have been made and things that you regret and and that you wish could change but what we can do is seek the Lord for forgiveness and ask him to help us so that moving forward, we can do better. We can teach our children. We can be light in this dark world. The good news is that 1 John chapter 1, verse 9 tells us that if we confess our sins to him, that he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. God is faithful, and he wants to forgive you. God wants to cleanse you, and he wants to help you. And I have two more things that I want to share with you about what God has to say on this topic. But because of time, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wait, and we're going to do a part two on this because this was just the appetizer, okay? And, and, and the real the real meat and potatoes is in point two and three. So you need to come back, because that's where I think, you know, you're really, you're really going to get that aha moment. And so you, we're, we're going to wait, and we're going to do that in, in, in part two. And I know that some of what I'm saying today is uncomfortable, and it's hard to hear. But I believe that it's important to hear. I believe that for those of you who may have experience this at an early age or prematurely that if you were honest with yourselves you would probably say I wish I did things a little differently I wish I waited I wish I didn't you know do those things with him or do those things with her but that's okay because God is here to forgive you God is here to make you new God is here to help use your experience to teach someone else so that they don't make that same mistake. And and maybe if things were different, things would have turned out different, but I don't believe that there's any mistakes when it comes to God, that God knows, that God knows why things happen, but he wants us to be responsible. And I think sometimes the reason that we don't know is because we're ignorant to the truth. You know, one of the verses that stuck with me for this year as I was uh, praying in January for this new year, was Hosea chapter four, verse six. And this is what it says. It says, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. And I thought about that. I thought about, well, what does that mean? That God is saying that my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. And there's so many areas of life There are so many things that we are ignorant towards. And I believe it's time for us to stop claiming that ignorance is bliss. Because when it comes to this, it's not because it's death. When it comes to this, it's not because we need to know the truth. And so many people, whether they believe in it or not, are living in sin, are living in darkness because they don't know the truth. They're being destroyed because they don't know They don't have this knowledge, and it's time that we open up our eyes to the truth. It's time that we talk about things that we didn't want to talk about before. It's time that we make right situations that we were hiding from and that we didn't want to acknowledge. And again, as I said, I want you to understand that I tell you this in love, not to condemn or to judge or to to put shame on you, because that's all been dealt with at the cross. And when we come to the cross of Christ, there's no shame, there's no guilt, there's none of that, but there's freedom and there's forgiveness and there's the opportunity to be made right and to be made new. And that's what we need to do. I believe that some of you need to be freed from that past. I believe that some of you still live with that hurt and that pain of things that you've done. Or things that you you did in a relationship or maybe having uh, premarital sex or, or whatever it was that you did and engaged in. And I want you to know that God doesn't come here to condemn you, but he comes here to set you free. And today is that opportunity where we can be set free, where we can ask God to forgive us, to cleanse us, to help us to overcome sexual sins and temptations, to help us so that we can help others. For those of you who are especially young people and teenagers and young adults, I want you to really make that decision to challenge yourself in a world that says sex is okay. Sex is good to to do and, and it's weird if you don't do it, right? Make that decision to wait and say, I will choose to wait. I will choose to remain pure and holy and wait for the right person. I will not compromise what God has told me. What God has said is right because in his right time, it will happen. Do not awaken love until the time is right. Let's pray, let's pray. Father, I thank you for who you are. I thank you, Lord, for your Holy Spirit already working even before I started speaking. And I pray, God, that you would help each one who is listening today. Lord, you know their situation and you know their need. You know their hearts. And God, I pray that, Lord, there would be freedom because we know that where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. I pray, God, for for those who maybe have been exposed at, at a young age, Lord, to things that they shouldn't have been, that, Father, you would remove from their mind and bring healing that you would release them from bondage, O oh God, and that you would set free. Father, for those who have engaged in, in premarital sex or sex outside of marriage, I pray, God, that you would help them to truly repent and turn to you, and that you would help them to overcome, O oh God. Lord, we thank you that there is forgiveness in the name of Jesus. And so we thank you that at the cross we find forgiveness, and there is no guilt and shame. Lord, I pray, Father, for for those who are in relationships or who are heading into marriage, that they would choose, Lord, to make those hard decisions that maybe the world says is okay but is not, to not live together before marriage, to not engage in premarital sex, to not do things in any way that will compromise their faith. And so, God, I just pray for your strength, for your peace, and for you, God, to fall fresh on each one. We thank you, oh God, that you have made us holy, that you have made us righteous because of who you are. So may you cover your people and may you help us in all that we do. We thank you that you have given us the true meaning of love, that you have shown us what true love is and we pray that you would help us to realize that it's not as the world teaches us, but it's what your word teaches us, oh God. And so may we walk in your truth And may we walk in obedience to your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.